Welcome everyone to another episode of The Core. I'm excited to be back in the podcast room, but it was lovely to have quite a long break over the summer, wasn't it, Joss? I don't know when we were last here, but we had a good break. Um, Today, we're diving into a topic that's reshaping the business world, but is very commonly talked about, and actually why Quarter Cloud was founded the actual core to the cloud on-prem to off-prem. Um, so moving to the cloud, uh, we know it's having a profound impact on cybersecurity. Um, and I really would like to introduce Frank back into the to the castle, into the podcast room to discuss this topic. Welcome back, Frank. Thank you very much, Kelly. Good to be here. Frank, for everyone that missed our first episode together, which was more on the topic of mental health, so I guess it was probably more of a personal story, would you like to bring everyone up to speed that's listening a bit about you, why you're here, and why we're discussing the topic today? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name's Frank. Uh, I work for a company called Maiden. Um, We are a digital healthcare company Mm -hmm. that specialise in providing an EPR into um, the NHS and private healthcare with regards to mental health, the mental health sector. A large part of that is navigating the cloud, cloud technologies, um, and my role in the organisation is understanding how to secure that. Mm -hmm. So supporting our developers, supporting our systems engineers, our data analytics team, the whole business really, in understanding um, how do we make the best use of the cloud whilst being safe in doing so. And we've gone through several iterations in our cloud journey, um, and it's a tricky tricky journey to, to navigate. So I'm here today to hopefully share some insights and some experiences and um, maybe give your listeners a little bit of food for thought. Of course. Let's rewind a little bit on that. Um, How did you even get to cybersecurity? Uh, Because I think that's a a big focus for us Mm. is trying to encourage people into the industry continuously. Um, We've done a big focus on getting women into tech. We've done a big focus on the mental impact of being in tech. But we're both still sat here. We're still yeah. encouraged to be in this industry. How? What was your journey and path to get into cybersecurity? Oh, wow. Uh, going back a little ways now. Um, <laughs> I, I've i always had an interest in breaking things, in, 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 <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> in understanding what makes something tick. Sure. Um, when I was growing up, I didn't. We didn't have a computer in the house. No. Um, but we did have kind of games consoles like you know N sixty four Mega Drive things like that. Pac-Man? And um, yeah, that kind of stuff. The Atari. We had an Atari yeah. console. And they never really worked properly. So I was always the one in the house to try and fix them, even mm-hmm. when I was like eight, nine, ten years old. Um, and when we did get a computer, it was rubbish. It was running Windows Millenn- Millennium Edition, which for any of your viewers that are familiar with it, is awful. It's a dreadful operating system. And it would always break and always crash. And I spent a lot of time trying to understand why it would do that so I could play my games. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and by doing that, I-, I found that I had this inherent interest in computers and in technology. Um, and as time went on, I found that with the internet becoming more and more of a thing and more and more popular, there was more potential to understand some of the lesser known parts of it mm. and to break some of the lesser known parts of it um, and to do stuff that m- maybe you shouldn't have been doing. Mm-hmm. So from kind of like my early teenage years, um, I was understanding what things like port scanning was and how to log into FTP servers. And were you doing this off your own back? Yeah, yeah. Just, so it wasn't just like someone at school no, inspired no, no. you? Because I think a big piece of this of every yeah. conversation I've had is yeah. that you probably don't have the right influencers or people in front of I you didn't. at school. Yeah. So no. this was all self-taught. This was all self-taught. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of been a hallmark of my career, really. So yeah, over time, I was understanding all these bits and pieces. And it wasn't until I got to secondary school and I started seeing what they had in their setup. Uh, at the the school that the world of um, more 
enterprise level IT was open to me. I did some stuff at school that could have got me in serious trouble, but thankfully I wasn't caught. (laughs) And um, I've really just played around with computers and the internet and digital technology ever since, focusing on networks and systems and and, and IT. Is that what you did at college or at uni or? So university I did. Okay. um, In sixth form. um, I went to sixth form, I didn't go to college. Um, nothing to do with computing at mm. all. I'm wearing a Concorde top today, uh, a okay. Concorde hoodie. I actually studied to become an airline pilot. But oh, I love that. At, at, at the time that I left sixth form, there was a big um, kind of hiring freeze on airline staff. So that door to me was pretty much closed, mm. which was a shame because I'd already gone solo at that point. I know oh. how to fly an airplane. And it's still a passion now for you? Oh, yeah, I still fly now. Um, and before I came here today, I stopped off at the airport down the road. Cotswold Airport? <laughs> yeah. I love it there. Yeah, have you great. seen that they've converted an Airbus into yeah. an actual? Yeah. I really want to do a custom event there. To anyone listening that's into planes, oh, I thought I, it would I be come? so cool to I'd do a plane. <laughs> so that's an idea. Okay, so you're into... And actually, it's very interesting because, um, not to be stereotypical, yeah. but I'm finding that people that are very technical or engineering mind also love planes, trains, um, cars, yeah. like especially our technical team. They're really yeah. into like Formula One. So there's quite yeah. a... I guess it's looking under the hood and how things work. Exactly The fascination. That. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm a motorcyclist as well. I spent a lot okay. of my spare time um, taking apart Tinkering. bikes and, and putting them back together. I was doing it last night. I've probably still got oil on my arms from it. <laughs> um, and I love it. Yeah. And I think it's that that drive to understand things and unpack them that's led me to cybersecurity. And over time, I've, I've, I've done bits and pieces and I've understood more about one technology or another. And yeah, I've done some stuff that maybe I shouldn't have done. Mm. But it's all led me to have a greater, richer understanding of the world I now work in mm-hmm. um, and that's why I'm still here because I love doing that and because it's continually changing isn't it exactly yeah. I think that's I think while we were talking this offline before of like mm. is there's no downtime and yeah. this industry is really busy and it's constantly yeah. on and even though I'm not technical um, the marketing side of it because someone will be like oh there's a new framework or this is coming in or have you seen this happened or um, depending on when anyone's listening, I'm off to Vegas next week, which we all know has been taken down. Yeah. So what I'm doing there will be very interesting. <laughs> so ironic ironic that I'm going there or not, I don't know. But um, yeah, it's constantly evolving. So what is the growing trend of businesses? Why are more businesses going to the, to the cloud? If people, our audience is very varied, but if you're yeah. on the beginning of that journey, why are people moving to cloud? I don't think there's any one reason okay. from my experience. Um, organizations are moving to the cloud um, for reasons that are unique to them. And there's some commonality, to Mm -hmm. be fair. Cost saving. Mm -hmm. um, By moving to the cloud, you can decrease your costs, your your operational costs, especially your capital expenditure. You don't need to purchase equipment anymore. There's capability and functionality in the cloud that um, you can get on an on-prem environment, Mm -hmm. on-premise environment, but in the cloud, it's just there and you can just use it. And there is a lot you can do with automation, you can scale, um, and you don't even have to think about the scaling. Uh, by automating that scalability, your environment can scale to meet demand. Mm-hmm. So the reason that Netflix, Spotify, Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime, all use cloud services is because if they were to run that, Amazon being the exception because they do run their own data centers, but if you were to run those on-prem in your own data centers, you would have to have a lot of engineering happen before you even start building the application. Yeah. But by running Netflix and Spotify um, on cloud, you don't have to worry about the infrastructure and that saves a lot of time, a lot of resource, uh, gives you a lot of capability, as I just said. So there's lots of reasons why organisations are doing it. Um, And I guess as we'll unpack shortly, 
there are some pitfalls that you could fall into if you're not careful. So there's heaps of benefits. Yeah. So for someone that's quite naive, um, I'd be like, wow, let's get straight into the cloud. Yeah. I think it's fair to say that COVID probably pushed people faster I, I agree. into yeah. that. Yeah. Maybe someone into that eyes closed, weren't really aware, mm-hmm. possibly didn't yeah. have a, a, a strategy yeah. on that. What would you think or what would you say if someone did go into that pretty quickly? Yeah. What is the potential downfalls of not having a strategic idea about what to do so actually the cost could increase that's the, interesting that's the okay thing so I'd we're say. saying it could save money but without a plan it, it could it, be it's a very double-edged sword fine it's very very powerful um i think a lot of organizations i think you're quite fair in saying it were pushed because of covid mm. their on-premise environments either um spun down mm-hmm. or they didn't have the staff to go in or for, 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 for many many reasons they couldn't continue to operate what covid pushed us to do was work remotely And the cloud was there to support it. A lot of organisations were forced to do that. And by not thinking strategically, they may not have had an idea of the costs in doing that. Um, They may not have had the luxury of being able to plan that migration or that adoption. And that in turn can increase costs. In a more of a security space, stepping back from the commercials, by migrating and diving in headfirst without planning it, you potentially open yourself up to quite significant vulnerabilities in doing so because although uh, and I love and I hate this phrase mm. although the cloud is somebody else's computer mm. there are nuances in that that you must understand if you're going to secure your cloud environment and I think for those organizations that were pushed and didn't have a choice yep. um, or their cloud adoption was expedited they probably didn't have the opportunity to understand what those vulnerabilities were so in a nutshell those are the kind of things that I think about when I think about cloud adoptions that can go wrong um, and yeah, there are uh, there are intricacies in that too. Okay, so there's some great positives. Yeah, without a plan, it could go a little bit array. Yes, obviously we're cybersecurity, yeah. a, a yeah. cybersecurity house. Um, so moving to the cloud is obviously a new era. It's a new era for us of yeah. what services, solutions, products we supply for our customers. Yeah. How do you see cloud? impacting cybersecurity, what's the evolution of that? Do you mm. think there are any key challenges that, I mean, we should be thinking of to, to offer our customers and, and for the listeners to think about on their way? I think it's a mindset shift. I think okay. you need to get your head around the idea that it isn't your infrastructure. It isn't your servers. It isn't your... Is that um, quite hard for some people, though? It, it can be. Yeah. For organisations that have been around for a long time, mm. even for some organisations that haven't, the idea of having a piece of equipment that is yours and you hire it... You can it, see it, you can touch it's it. It's tangible. Can, yeah, I get that. You put it in a server room, you have access control, you have a key. Um, when it goes down, you have someone on call that comes on site and fixes it. Yeah. And that's before you start thinking about the software that runs on it. Yeah. So to switch that model to something where you don't own the server, you don't own the network, you don't have access to that equipment, it it requires you to rethink how that environment looks and works. Um, I think we'll most likely speak about it at some point in this podcast, but we'll talk about the shared responsibility model. Um, That's all about understanding, okay, you have a responsibility, but so does the cloud provider, and understanding in your cloud adoption program, in your project, in your environment, where that line sits, I think, is is probably the mindset shift people need to get their head around. That shared responsibility idea um, is crucial. If you don't understand what that is and you don't know what AWS or Microsoft or Google are doing and you don't know what you need to do, then 
And well, is security really being owned? At which point, you, you, at which point, madness ensues, mm. <laughs> and you can get into some really sticky situations. And where would you suggest if you're and um, you know you're choosing which cloud provider you're going with? Yeah, what is the best way to realise where that boundary is? Where that's your responsibility and that's mine? Because my understanding is that yeah. some people assume that would be default, yeah. and then learn that that is not default. Yeah. Um, so what's your opinion like where would you say where's a good way where's what's good practice good hygiene yeah. rules to know where where is your responsibility and where does theirs lie so great question so i would probably first look at advice that's available online okay. and the ncse the national cyber security center mm -hmm. have some fantastic resources about cloud adoption okay um if you just google ncsc yeah. and uh cloud migration or cloud adoption yeah then you'll get a lot of good resources there that walk you through the kind of things you'll have to think about mm -hmm. um, and it's worth taking that resource as kind of your first step i think a lot of organizations have fallen victim of trying to reinvent the wheel a bit and thinking okay we're going to go on a cloud migration journey what do we need to think about um, and they run a risk of siloing themselves trying to think up the questions themselves trying to answer the questions themselves but actually, many organizations have gone on this journey before you. And the NCSC resources help articulate that and give you those resources and give you those tools to answer those questions. So the NCSC resources are probably the first thing that I'd say. Okay. Once you've identified what the things are you need to think about, then, of course, you've got to think, we're going to go Google, Microsoft, Oracle, um, Amazon, etc. There's no right or wrong answer there. It's really what fits your use case yeah. for some organizations microsoft will be better for some aws there's nothing wrong or right but once you've selected one have a look for their own guidance and resources too all of the big cloud hyperscalers like google amazon oracle etc they all have really good resources freely available to you before you even register telling you what you need to be mindful of mm -hmm. and it can seem a little bit overwhelming mm -hmm. but it's well worth the time reading that and understanding it and even engaging with them um, so that you know okay this is where the cloud service provider's responsibility is this is where our responsibility is and i'm talking about the hyperscalers but this also applies to things like slack and microsoft teams because they're cloud platforms yeah. too um, sometimes we don't think of them as cloud platforms but they they really are yeah they also have the same sorts of resources and information and how you as a business secure slack is very different to how you secure your aws environment and both slack and amazon have resources that help you do that so before you even think about committing to one of them mm. or think about embarking on the journey take the time to understand it and research it and as i said reach out to these organizations i think in a cloud migration journey i was part of for the last few years we thought that Amazon would not engage with us because Amazon is a huge behemoth of a company. Yeah. And the organization we were at was relatively small. Actually turned out that their um, technical account managers were really keen to engage with us. And I know that Microsoft and Google do the same thing. Yeah. They want you to be onboarded for obvious reasons, mm -hmm. but they want you to do it safely so that you remain on their platform as a customer. And they will help you with that migration journey and plan it. So in summary, NCSE resources cloud-specific resources and reach out to the cloud provider. Um, I think those are the three kind of key things that I'd say and advise to think about before you embark on your cloud journey. All seems very sensible advice to me. It's really just actually taking a step and a breath, yeah. which all sounds great, but I'm yeah. guessing in COVID, 
yeah. decisions may have had to be yeah. made much quicker. You yes. don't have time to be on this leisurely responsibility. No. No. So if you hadn't, where do you think vulnerabilities may have been punctured through holes, gaps, yeah. skippity skips that you may have done to get it out quicker? Where do you think it might have left some gates open? So the most common ones that I've seen are things like misconfiguration. Yeah. Um, you go to the client and you think, okay, a common model for cloud adoption is lift and shift, where you take your infrastructure, mm-hmm. you virtualize it, you put it in the cloud. Yeah. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But by doing that, you're using new controls, you're using new technologies, um, you've got a different toolkit that you've launched your infrastructure into. Yeah. If you didn't understand what that toolkit was before you launched it into, because you didn't have the time, mm. then you may very well have misconfigured something. Mm-hmm. You might be aware you've done it, or you might not be aware that you've done it. And COVID was a few years ago. A few years ago, cloud providers were not providing the safe defaults they are now. So misconfiguration is certainly one of them. Um, I would say that organisations that have adopted the cloud in the last few years should probably now, at this point, take a step back and think, okay, we've migrated in. Um, We know it's been an expeditious journey. Let's see, are we secure? Have we got any misconfigurations? And the cloud providers can help you do that with the tools that are there. And in many cases, those tools are free. Mm-hmm. So Microsoft, Google, and Amazon AWS all provide services for free that can tell you where you've got major flaws or misconfigurations. Um, and just by glancing at that dashboard and then prioritizing what you see can really help secure your environment. Surprising, even now, the amount of organizations that don't know those tools exist for free and use them. Um, and that can help you with things like unsecured S3 buckets, can help you with things like having ports open, mm-hmm. can help you with things like not having appropriately secured accounts. Mm-hmm. There's a lot you can do with that. So misconfiguration is one of them. Um, it can also create a massive to-do list though, right? It can, yes. Um, <laughs> so there's pluses and minus, there like is. obviously, because a big pattern for us is so much to do, yeah. not a big enough time. So obviously where Core to Cloud have tried is to support you with the resource gap and yeah. the time thing. Yeah. So there's a, there's a balance, isn't there, for everyone yeah. of like, okay, you're going to, the misconfiguration could be a big old list yeah. and you're constantly, and we and we hear it from pen, you know, penetration testing. Yeah. You yeah. get given a report, don't you, which is like a to-do yeah. list. And then you get to the next year and you realise, oh my goodness, I didn't yeah. get through all of that that they said last year. So it's, it's a continuous journey, isn't it? it? Is. It's continuous and... It is. And I think this is where things like risk management and vulnerability management need to come into play. Okay. Just because you're looking at vulnerabilities in the cloud, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't handle them as you handle vulnerabilities in um, or risks in the rest of the business. Mm-hmm. They're still vulnerabilities and you should still prioritize them accordingly. And strong risk management here can help. Because if you're looking at that vulnerability and you're thinking, okay, there's a, n- a notification from AWS that says um, this S3 bucket is a misconfigured. Well, that's bad. But when you start thinking about, okay, how is a bit misconfigured? What impact does that have? What data is stored in the S3 bucket? How could it be exploited? When you start layering that sort of um, critical thinking on top, you can start making better decisions. Mm. I see a lot of organizations, um, I've been guilty of this myself in my career, looking at that to-do list and thinking, crikey, there's an awful lot that we're never going to get through. And almost being stunned, like deer in the headlights sort of thing. But if you just look at each one and you don't think about managing them, don't think about mitigating them, just assess them. And the think, impact. Just assess the impact. Get an understanding of it. You haven't got to go 
overboard. If you if you don't do um, if you don't have like a really rigorous risk management framework right now, that's fine. You can just think this risk is a high risk, this one's a medium risk, this is a low risk, and you can start to prioritize. Yeah. And even that very basic risk management strategy is really effective. You take that approach, whether to a cloud vulnerability or a pen test um, summary report, it's going to serve you well. Is there any famous cloud breaches or things that uh, could <laughs> famously happen that uh, obviously that are in the public that we yeah. can we can discuss and kind of your thoughts of what went wrong there? So there are many. And I think one that's quite recent is the Capita breach. Mm-hmm. Um, Capita had a an unsecured um, cloud asset yeah. and that caused a lot of headaches for them and their customers because Capita are a professional services company. Um, they have projects, contracts with customers yeah. and what was in that what was in that cloud asset was, was leaked. Mm. Um, now, why did that happen? Ultimately, because of the misconfiguration. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that manifest within Capita? I don't know for sure. No, I don't work course. for Capita. And all I can do is um, assume and make assumptions. But that simple misconfiguration of that bucket by somebody along the way that wasn't caught, that wasn't triaged, that wasn't risk assessed, and if it was, wasn't prioritised, yeah. resulted in a lot of the impact, a lot of damage. Yeah. So even the big players um, struggle with this. It's not something that just small organisations struggle with. And I think actually, as you scale... It's probably it, harder. It's harder. It mm-hmm. is harder because you've got more to prioritise. You've got more, more to, people, more, to more resources. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a more complicated problem to solve. Yeah, but the, yeah. the, the same strategy can be used. Um, you just have to accept that you're no longer a speedboat that can dart between A and B. You're now a cruise liner that has to take a while to steer towards resolving that mis- misconfiguration. Yeah. That makes sense. So you obviously are working in the cloud yeah. a lot. Yeah. What would you kind of see your best practices? So kind of like actionable tips would you do right now if you were coming into someone's business or supporting them from uh, from that point of view and experience? What would be your kind of like top tips straight away? I think I would... I think personally, I'll try and step back and take that strategic view. Mm-hmm. I'd say, why are you going to the cloud? Um, when do you need to be in the cloud by? If you can understand those two things, those two things are normally pretty easy to define. Yeah. Why are we going in the instance of COVID? Um, it was because we need to be able to continue BAU. Yeah. We need to be able to communicate, send emails. Um, we, our business needs to continue. When do we need to do it as soon as possible? So you've already got uh, a scope. Um, or, or at least the reason for the scope and time scales. Then you need to start asking the more difficult questions, which is, what are you migrating to the cloud? Are you migrating your server in your server room? Are you migrating an entire data center? What does that actual scope look like? Mm-hmm. And how are you going to do it? Which is probably the hardest question. As you step through these things in that sort of order, it doesn't have to be that order, but as long as you do the the what and the, the why, um, or the when and the why, rather, mm. and then you move on to the harder ones, you can start to scope out what that migration will look like. That's the kind of approach that I would take if an organisation is looking for a cloud adoption journey. And yeah. even if they're already there, I'd probably be asking the same questions to understand, okay, you've landed, you're there, for better or for worse. It might have been a good journey, might have been a bad journey. Well, let's take that step back and think holistically and strategically about what you set out to do and what you've actually got now, and then we can go from there. Because if you don't understand that context, you don't understand that high-level view, you can get very quickly lost in the weeds. 
it's like purpose though isn't it even for a bu- for a business if you've not got a clear strategy or vision yeah. or where the business is going yep. how can you expect every department every employee that's right to go through it? and we you know we're having this conversation now we're in hyper growth what is that conversation mm-hmm. what is that that we want every member of the team yeah. from finance to ops to marketing to yeah. sales to technical like a badge of this is what quarter cloud's doing and, and yeah. it is it's having that because otherwise you all can veer off slightly off and it doesn't keep you in the right direction so it's having a vision i guess for the for the cloud i think yes for the cloud i think for cybersecurity more widely that still applies too yeah um i think as cybersecurity practitioners mm. i think we're often guilty um, of looking at the solution and over-solutionizing and going, okay, there is a security group in AWS or there is this fancy new tool or we need to secure this asset, this yeah. asset. You can get very technical with that and the cloud does require technical skills. Yeah, That's great. But we often don't step back and think strategically and think about the bigger picture in cybersecurity. And I think we need to do that more because security is here to enable a business. Mm. The reason security exists at Quarter Cloud or at Maiden or mm. wherever else is to enable Quarter Cloud or any other organization to thrive and succeed yeah. and achieve its goals. Um, if you aren't thinking about the whys and the whats and you aren't thinking strategically about security, then are you actually helping the business achieve what it's doing? Or are you just running round and round on the same hamster wheel thinking about the solutions, thinking about the technicals? Because it's people, processes and technology. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's the three yeah. it's the three things have to work in in, in harmony. And cybersecurity is not just a technology. It's no. as much people in process as it is technology. And also it's people it's not just the IT department. No. It it's everyone. Everybody. Everyone can have an Im- impact yeah. on it or be a risk or or be a strengthener. Yeah. Um because I think you know that's a bit mind shift a lot you know I think yeah. it's always been like human error and all that but they can also be your greatest asset if they know what to do or the process is right or yeah i I think the cloud like any big development in technology has um pushed us and forced us to remind ourselves of that Mm. and that actually we can't just dive into that technology head first we have to think strategically yeah and when we've not had that opportunity we need to take the step back and try and think strategically try and factor that thinking in um you're absolutely right people and process part of the problem is not just with the security team or the IT team. We need to think about that across the business. And I think the cloud, to bring it back to the conversation, I think the cloud has just reminded us that that's the case. Painfully so. Are you I mean are we're seeing it more and more. I think definitely this year is kind of like a um maybe a less is more mindset. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of the customers that we're having coming in, we're doing a lot of strategic days of yeah. kind of putting the whole, sh- everything that you've got on yeah. the table, what's on the shopping list. Well, hang on, where are you going in the future? Yeah. Does that only fix a problem for six months? Yeah. Um, economic climate right we're all being very more conscious of what we're buying what we're doing and i think that we're seeing that from the decisions of what people are making even from their people of well how can i retain them how can i grow them so they're on this journey with me and i I think you're right i think it's time and yeah and i think we're finding that with our services and very popular ones are uh the crisis sim so Mm, you can practice the worst case scenario but it, it then shoots you the bigger thing Gap analysis. So many people are coming yeah. on and asking yeah. us to do a gap analysis. That's really rocketed. Um, the Dora framework that's coming out. Okay, well, what does that impact? And people are kind of breathing and going, right, well, what does that look like? What should I be doing? 
that framework door is big on third party risk you know mm. okay well let's have a look at that over yeah. there and have it, and i and i think you are right and you do have to breathe and kind of tackle it one piece at a time i know very much of our public sector team there's a lot to unpack there and mm-hmm. i think it could become very um, overwhelming yeah. but if you can step back breathe think strategically you can put them into buckets potentially yeah. that you can then manageably digest yeah slowing down before you can speed up I yeah, think, I think it's, it's how I, I do think feel. About I it. do feel that this year. Yeah. I feel it's uh, gone less of the shiny toy. It's more of the okay. Let's let's breathe and see if this actually works for us. I think that applies to things like AI and quantum now too. Mm-hmm. Um, AI, obviously, in the last 12, 24 months, has just taken off, and no yeah. one saw that. And organisations, and now, even in marketing, yeah. Well, I mean, look, yeah. my world's completely different. Yeah, in in twelve months, organisations are jumping on that train. Yeah, um, it is a shiny toy. Mm. In 24 months' time, are we going to be having a conversation here now in this studio about the impact AI and quantum have had? Quite possibly. Probably, yeah. Um, have we not learned the lessons from cloud and technologies like cloud before where actually jumping in headfirst may not be the best approach and thinking strategically mm-hmm. might serve you better? Yeah. I think probably we need to do that with all of these technologies and actually make that part of your BAU less jumping head first and more thinking about the what's why's and the where to's i think does serve organizations better and it is a mindset shift um not just unique to the cloud uh i read a few reports over the last kind of few months um or like to a bit of market research Mm -hmm. um cloud um identity management and networking seem to be the next difficult areas to recruit Mm -hmm. people into Yeah, yeah um obviously there's a lot of discussion in cloud about encryption, access control, identity management. How can we emphasize, emphasize, sorry, um, the awareness, the training, and also getting people on a cloud journey? Obviously, you found that way very naturally. Um, but how do you think we as employers can help with that um, and, and, and retaining and giving people access and training that they need? It's a good question. Um these topics are ones that I've had to tackle over the last few years at the, mm. at the organizations that I've, I've worked at and provided for. Um, I think training is crucial. Yeah. Some of these concepts are quite foreign. Identity management is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, concepts in the cloud to do with identity can be very complex. You have ideas regarding roles, ideas regarding groups, all of these different um, ideas of policy mm-hmm. that you apply in the cloud. And they are amazingly powerful when you can do it. Um, and the cloud, you know, the big cloud hyperscalers, already run on these concepts. So if you're using the cloud without using these uh, concepts correctly, you potentially have a vulnerability um, at worst, and at best you're missing a trick. The only way to really get that experience is through applied practical application. So jumping into the cloud head first, which we've already said is not necessarily the best mm-hmm. idea, or taking the time to go through the training, go through the learning and understand it. I mentioned the NCSE resources a moment ago. I mentioned the resources from the hyperscalers you can get for free. They all explain these concepts. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, again, it's it's just do your research, take the time to prepare and understand what you need to do. As employers, I think the best things we can do is give our staff the time to do that. (laughs) Just give them the time to play around, sandbox it, understand it. Not everybody... In, um, in a team, in an organization, learns best by going on structured training. So 
give them some yeah. budget, give them some resource with which to play around in these hyperscalers mm. um, in a safe way before you do it for real. Yeah. If they break something, if they cause a vulnerability whilst experimenting and going through that R&D phase, well, it, it has limited impact then. It's yeah. better they do it then than they do, then, it, they do it in production. Uh, completely. Um, so and learn from the mistakes. So if it does happen, they know how to exactly. Fix it. There's no one set way to get these skills. Um, I think last time we spoke, we t- spoke about the cyber skills gap and stuff yeah. like that a little bit. And yeah, uh, give your staff the opportunity to learn these things. And if you're finding that you don't have staff that can learn these things, then reach out and, and engage with an organisation that can help. Mm. I've spoken about NCSC so far, but there are other um, commercial organisations out there that can help you with these adoptions. Mm. Uh, you can engage with the hyperscalers. They will talk to you. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of resource. There's a lot of good free resource out there now. And you know, pre-COVID and during COVID, that wasn't necessarily the case. So just take your time and let your staff learn before you embark on this sort of journey. Yeah. And, and I, I'm learning through the, doing the podcast and building out our community. There are so many people that are on hand and openly would share their story and yeah. talk about it. I think it's been a little bit of a taboo to talk about your um, cybersecurity or yeah. maybe share your, yeah. your horror stories or your war stories. But I do think that guard's coming down slowly but surely. Yeah. Yeah. It is coming down. And um, and I think I've, a few of the research things of, of what I've read is that actually us being more collaborative yeah. and open yes. about what's happening will solve a lot of the problems 100%. Uh, because we're being more open of what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, you have talked loads here, but just to go back and kind of the best practices for anyone that may have um, been driving or lost, you know, sometimes we phase out on something. <laughs> what would you say right now for anyone taking away what your, you think are the most successful things to mitigate going to the cloud and but staying robust in this cybersecurity, I guess it's that kind of how can you successfully go to the cloud but be as secure as possible? Take that strategic view. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds counterintuitive and it can sound really counterintuitive if you're up against it with pressures to get to the cloud. Try and take that step back. Try and take that strategic view. It doesn't need to be onerous. It doesn't need to be a huge, complex piece of work. Yeah. You don't need to take 24 months to define a cloud strategy. Mm. Look at the NCSC resources. Look at the resources from the hyperscalers. Understand what those themes are. Understand what it means to you. Ask yourselves those questions. Um, why are you going to the cloud? What are you migrating? How are you going to do it? When do you need to do it by? Ask yourself these high-level questions, um, which businesses are already asking themselves about other topics anyway. So businesses have already got this mindset somewhere um, and see where that leads you. Engage with the organisations that are out there. Um, You're quite right. Collaboration is really, really useful. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to do that. But that strategic view is really important. Um, I think that's probably the takeaway that I give. What's your prediction? It's not going away. (laughs) What's your prediction of the trends of cloud and what the future holds and where it could go? I... It's not going away. No. The cloud is here to stay. I think we have seen the power over the last 10 or 15 years, well mm. before COVID, that the cloud can provide. Um, spoken a lot about the hyperscalers, but as I said before, Slack, Microsoft Teams, um, Google Workspace, these are all cloud services that we can use in very different ways. The cloud's here to stay. I think as AI, um, as quantum computing starts to 
be more mainstream, mm -hmm. starts to be more widely adopted, we're going to see cloud services offer these tools too. So I think whether we like it or loathe it, we need to be comfortable using the cloud. Um, so my predictions are they're going to continue offering more services that we want. They're going to give us what we want. They're going to make sure that service offerings are there that cater for everything. Um, I think businesses are going to be driven towards the cloud, either by want or need. Yeah. Um, and I think there are going to continue to be security events unless businesses take that more strategic view and take the time to understand how to get there safely. For anyone that's listening that might not be in cybersecurity and yeah. they've stumbled upon this podcast for their interest or their education, yeah. I'm doing a big push of encouraging people to get into cybersecurity. Yeah. Why, if someone is listening to us right now, would you say join us on this crazy quest? Digital technology has never been more adopted than it is today. And to use that technology safely, now and in the future, we need people that understand how to use it, how to use it safely, and how to help others use it. Cybersecurity is literally about that. So whether it's the cloud, whether it's AI, whether it's quantum, it doesn't matter. We need people that can help businesses and individuals, to yeah. be fair, outside of, outside of organizations and commercials, to help us on that journey. Mm. So that is cybersecurity people. That is information security people right there. So that's why I want them in it. And why should they get in it? Because it is rewarding and it is forever evolving. And you can have a lot of positive impact on an organization, on the people around you, on society yeah. by helping secure our use of these new technologies. Thank you for tuning in to the episode of The Core. Um, as we've learned today, moving to the cloud can be a game changer for businesses, but it's crucial to understand the cybersecurity implications. I would love to thank Frank for joining today. Um, actually made cloud seem not so scary and I was able to understand it. So if you can take me on that journey, then I hope the audience stayed with us as well. Um, I guess the main point of this is to remember to stay vigilant prioritize security as you navigate this digital new world um step back breathe think about it and don't go straight in if you have any more questions on the topics that we've covered today please feel reach out to me on the podcast and if you'd like to contact frank frank how do we contact you i'm on linkedin um that's probably the best way to get hold of me okay find frank on linkedin once again thank you very much for joining us on the call